Good morning. It is so wonderful to see everyone this morning. Let's all stand up and sing together. This first one is called Mountain of God. Thought that I was all alone, broken and afraid, but you were there with me. Yes, you were there with me. And I didn't even know that I had lost my way. You were there with me. Yes, you were there with me. Do you open up my eyes? I never knew that I could never make it without you. Even though the journey is long, and I know the road is hard, well, the one who's gone. Help me carry on After all that I've been through Now I realize the truth That I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain of God well, As I travel on the road have led me down you are here with me yes you were here with me I have need for nothing more oh now that I have found that you are here with me yes you are here with me I confess from time to time I lose my way Always there to bring me back again. Even though the journey is long, and I know the road is hard, well, the one who's gone before me, you will help me carry on. After all that I've been through, now I realize the truth that I must go through. The valley to stand upon the mountain of God. Sometimes I think of where it is I've come from and the things I've left behind. Well, of all I've had, what I possess, nothing can quite compare to what's in front of me. What's in front of me? Well, even though the journey's hard, and I know the road is hard, well, the one who's gone before me, he will help me carry on. And I know that I've been through, now I realize the truth. That I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain Yes, I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain Yes, I must go through the valley To stand upon the mountain Of all that I 
was all alone, broken and afraid, but you are here with me. Yes, you are here with me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for being here with us, Lord, and we thank you for being with us through those over those mountains and through those valleys and Lord, we know that your love for us is just constant and it's true and that you are faithful to us. Lord, we pray this day that we can be faithful and constant and true to you as well. In your name I pray. Amen. How many times I turned away The number is the same As the sand on the shore But every time You've taken me back Now I pray you'll do it once more Please take from me my person beside you that you might not know or maybe that you do know and children come forward to join us for a few moments of sharing
lost the little thing on here. Greg, hang on, Greg. Okay. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Hey, Ryan. Good morning. Have you been hot this week? Yes. Has it been hot outside? Oh, my goodness. You felt like a hot dog one day? I know. I know. You did, and it wasn't hot there? Yeah. It's been so hot this week. Have you, have you um, complained a little bit about it being hot? Have you been like, oh, man, it's so hot out here? Has your mom or dad complained about it being hot? You should just drink lots of water. That's really a good tip. Thank you. That's a wonderful tip. Um, it has, people have even said this week that this is one of the hottest summers ever. Can you believe that? One of the hottest summers. And, and I don't know about you. I don't really like to be hot. I don't like to be hot at all. And so I'm not really good when it's really hot outside. I, I complain and get tired and grumpy sometimes when it's hot outside. Now I want you to close your eyes for me, and I want you to think back to last winter when it snowed, that big snow, and maybe you made a snowman, and maybe you, maybe you went sledding. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? You can open your eyes. Do you remember that? Were you hot or cold? cold and maybe one day you stayed out in the snow way too long and your gloves you built so many snowmen and made so many snowballs that your gloves were soaking wet and your fingers were freezing cold and you wished you could get inside and warm up super fast did you maybe complain then too when you were cold I complain too when I'm cold believe it or not I complain when I'm hot and I complain when I'm cold I like the fall and the spring the best but one of the things that um, we have to do is we have to be thankful in those times, and we have to be thankful that God gave us all of those different seasons to experience. I was looking up in my Bible, and the very back, it's got these words that you can look up, and you can see how many times and where they have those words in the Bible. And I was looking up the word thanks and thanksgiving, and I saw in the back of my Bible that the Bible uses the word thanks or thanksgiving 16 times in the Bible. Do you think it's really important to God for us to be thankful? No. 16 times, that's a lot. That's a lot of times that God uses that word thanks in the Bible. There's one of the verses in the Bible says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And that's one of those things that I have to remember on those days when it's super duper hot outside, or on those days when it's freezing cold outside. I have to be thankful, okay? And I have to remember to give thanks in all circumstances, even if I'm hot or cold. All right, close your eyes. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, thank you for each of our seasons. Help us to remember to always be thankful. Amen. And I'm very thankful for a foot, even though it has gout this morning. Good morning to everyone. <clears throat> it's good to see you all here. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're just very happy to have you here and hope that you'll be back to worship with us on many future occasions. Sunday School for All Ages follows this service um, at 10, and uh, then 11 o'clock this morning we have our traditional worship service, and you're invited 
to stay for as much of that as you can. Hope that you will be able to do that. Do you have any prayer concerns that you would like to share with us today? If so, would you raise your hand so we can get you an index card and ask you to fill something out on that card that uh, I can read, first of all, and secondly, that, um, that you don't mind me sharing with all of us. We will join you in your concern and in your prayer, believing that there is indeed power in prayer and power when the church gathers together for prayer. Announcements from Katie for Sunday. Attention, <clears throat> parents of rising third graders. Please make sure Katie has your rising third graders name on her list to receive a Bible during promotion Sunday, the last Sunday of this month, 28th. Thank you for that. Children will remain in their current Sunday school classes until after promotion Sunday on the 28th. Um, we will honor all students, teachers, administrators, and anyone else doing back, uh, uh, going back to school with a back-to-school blessing during our 9 and 11 o'clock services next week. I hope that you will be here, uh, especially if you're headed back to school, uh, that we can join in praying for you. Also, mark your calendars. <clears throat> Our annual ice cream social is set for Sunday, August the 21st. That's two weeks off. 5.30 here in the Family Life Center. Uh, we hope that you will plan to join us for this uh, fun night of fellowship and bring your favorite homemade ice cream or other yummy treat to share. Uh, Okay, please check with Chris if you plan to bring a churn of ice cream or to do a churn of ice cream so we can know how many tables to set up and how to prepare. Um, so that's a couple of weeks off. Cross-training Sunday school class invites you to join them in supporting Greer Community Ministries. <clears throat> Members of the class will be serving at a pancake breakfast at Fats Cafe in Greer on Saturday, August the 13th from 7.30 until 10 a.m. Purchase your $7 ticket today from a member of the cross-training class and join us in supporting a great community ministry uh, in Greer. So we'll remind you of that as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, uh, we have had a, a number of deaths in the last three weeks and there is one more to tell you about. Uh, Myrtle Upton, an elder, elderly member of this church, she transferred her membership here when Appalach United Methodist Church closed. But Mrs. Upton has had um, Alzheimer's for a number of years, and so uh, uh, she was not probably aware that her church had closed. But anyway, this is Jimmy Upton's mother, and that funeral will be tomorrow morning, graveside at Hillcrest at 11.30, and John Rush will be leaving. So we call your attention to that. Also, want to welcome a new member or two at this time, and I will ask them to come forward. Justin and Katie Crane. I saw y'all a minute ago. Come on down. <clears throat> These are the cranes. Uh, 
I didn't know it when I first met them, but Justin is kin to, to the whole Jones clan around here. His Louis, Aunt, Aunt Louise and uh, uh, Margaret uh, are members here, and, and uh, your grandmother is another of those sisters. So, so we're getting someone from the fold back with us, and, and Katie, they're coming to us from uh, uh, Apex United Methodist Church up in North Carolina, so they've already been to the Apex of their lives. What do you know about Apex? You're just saying. I, she usually, okay. Tell us a little bit about you. What do you want to know? <laughs> what do you do? Oh, I'm a wedding planner. A wedding planner? Yes, sir. <laughs> Didn't they do a movie about that? Some, yes, okay. <laughs> I'm a structural engineer. That's right. Structural engineer. There's some people here I want to check on. There's some structures that are crumbling. Uh, but anyway, we, we welcome you into our fellowship and glad to have you here. You folks have already connected with the cross-training group? Very good. Welcome. <laughs> now I want to tell you, they did it right, too. They called me one day and said, we're going to take you out to lunch and talk about church membership. I said, sounds good to me. That's the way you do things. That's right. They did not take me to Waffle House. Huddle House. Oh, Huddle House. No. <laughs> oh, me. Do we have our prayer cards ready? Any others? Oh, me. I think we went to Fuddruckers. That's what, that's what, that's, that's the plan you got to match right there. <laughs> okay. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you gave us life. And when we went astray, you still continued working with all of your children. And you called us back to yourself and cleaned us up and declared us to be right in your eyes by the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We're gathered together in that spirit and in that name, thanking you this day as we offer these special prayers for our concerns. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. Especially we pray that you would be with the families of the 30 that were killed in Afghanistan yesterday in the helicopter crash. We pray for strength and healing for Neil Weiss. We pray for Harold McManus for successful surgery tomorrow. We pray for the Thomas and the Chapman families. For Tucker Reeves, a two-year-old getting ready to begin radiation treatments for stage three cancer. For Doris Wright and Wade Kinnett, for teachers as they go back to work this week. We pray for an uncle who is sick and for family and friends who are seeking jobs, for a friend's mother who has been diagnosed with cancer. Lord, these are our special prayers this day and we pray for these concerns in the name of Jesus as he has taught us to pray saying, our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture lesson today is from Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> Frog. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith we're proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, with your mouth mouth, I must have done that, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is written with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here ends the lesson. Mouth, mouth. I guess that's a big mouth. I don't know. <clears throat> Does God grade on the curve? The grading procedures of my college professors never quite made total sense to me. We really believed that there was one professor who stood on the top stair at Old Main Hall and tossed all the papers down the stairs. And the grade you got depended on which step your paper landed on. I think he's left by now, Alora, but uh, maybe not. Uh, but I don't think I, I had uh, experienced, well, in fact, I had experienced the bell curve before I got to college. I experienced it way back in the 10th grade in my chemistry class. In all the other classes that I ever took, you had to get 70% of your answers correct to get a passing grade, a D minus. But in chemistry class, you could get 70% right and still make an A on the test. That was because the teacher graded on the curve. Whoever got the highest score was given an A, and the lowest score was given an, S, an F. But the majority of the class earned a C because that's where most of the grades fell, on that bell curve. Without this system of grading, I might still be in high school chemistry today. <clears throat> Meanwhile, in all the other classes, we were still graded against perfection. 100 was the standard. 
meaning that our grades were compared with a perfect score. But in chemistry class, we were compared to the average score. Now, does God grade us that way? Does God toss our Judgment Day papers down the heavenly stairs to see where they will land? On Judgment Day, are, are we compared with perfection or just compared with the average of everybody who's ever lived? If God grades on a curve, some of us stand a much better chance of making it into heaven than we would otherwise because some of us have done a little better than most folks. We didn't bear false witness as often as someone else or steal as often or dishonor our parents quite as often or cheat on our spouses as often as some folks. So maybe God will smile on us. But according to the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, we have only two ways to pass God's judgment test. And neither one of those two ways involves a bell curve. And so we're out of luck if we're just hoping that God will accept us just because we're better than the average. Now, were you a little bit surprised to hear me say that according to the Bible, there are two ways of passing the judgment day test? There are, according to the Bible, two ways. I remember the first time I ever heard a preacher say that, and I about fell over. He was a highly respected Presbyterian missionary, but he still had to show me how that was true. There are two avenues to righteousness that we read about in the Bible. There is the way of the first covenant and the way of the new covenant. <clears throat> the promise of the first covenant is still on the books. It is theoretically possible to achieve right standing with God through a very careful keeping of the commandments. We're going to pursue that for a few minutes. In the Good News Bible, that verse 5 of chapter 10 reads, Whoever obeys the commands of the law will live. The contemporary English Bible says it even more plainly when it translates that verse. Moses says that, the person, that a person could become acceptable to God by obeying the law. That sounds a little hopeful, doesn't it? So theoretically, there is a way to become acceptable to God through obeying the law. But just as soon as the law gives us a glimmer of hope, you realize what it really means. You must perfectly keep all of the many laws. You must score 100 on the test. The contemporary English Bible continues on with that verse by adding, if you want to live, you must do all that the law commands. All? The J.B. Phillips translation expresses how that makes me feel when it translates it this way. Moses writes of righteousness by the law when he says that a man who does those things shall live by them, which is theoretically right but impossible in practice, end quote. The Living Bible further dashes our hopes of attaining righteousness before God through the law when it says, for Moses wrote that if a person could be perfectly good and hold out against temptation all of his life and never sin once, only then could he be pardoned and saved. The message paraphrase says, 
Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it isn't easy. Every detail of life is regulated by fine print. So you go right ahead and try to be perfect and thereby attain right standing with God if you want to. Good luck with that. <clears throat> but remember, the first time you goof, you will have lost all hope of getting to heaven by your efforts. And even if you succeed in keeping all of the actions of the law perfectly, watch out for your mouth. The Bible says that we must give an account for every idle word we have spoken. And that's not even talking about the words that I might slip up and say when I get upset. Whenever someone asks me if I play golf, I tell them that I used to, but I really didn't need to practice cussing that bad. If you manage to watch your actions and keep your words clean, then good luck with your mind. Have you ever done an act of kindness to an individual that everybody looks at and admires, and, they, and you spoke nicely to that person in need, while in your head you hear yourself saying, you fool, you're about the lowest piece of garbage there is on the planet. Jesus said that a thought in our minds can show us a lot about ourselves and it will make us guilty in the eyes of God. We can be accused of murder and even adultery in our hearts. So good luck with attaining righteousness with God by keeping your mind absolutely pure. And after you've mastered your actions, your mouth, and your mind, remember that failure to do a good deed when an opportunity presents itself is also a sin. Sins of omission, we call those, forgetting to do something good that we're supposed to do. I guess you heard about the little boy in Sunday school who said that a sin of omission is a sin you were supposed to do, but you forgot to do it. Well, not exactly, Johnny. It is leaving something good undone. Again, I say, good luck with that first theoretical way of earning eternal life by perfectly keeping the law of God all the time. What Paul is really saying in verse 5 to those who trust in the law to save them, that the law itself is against the law as a way of securing righteousness. The law itself teaches that salvation by works of the law is an impossibility for us humans. I'm not sure it, when it was that I committed my first act of treason against God. It probably was the time I fussed and cried at my mother because my baby bottle wasn't warm enough. All I know is that I lost my chance of attaining perfection with God by the law a very, very long time ago. One of the New Testament teachings about the law is that its main function is to make us painfully aware that we've all fallen so very short of God's perfection, God's expectations of us. Even if we manage to keep our, that's a bunch of tickets, that didn't come out real good, but even if we could manage to keep our number of sins down to three a day, one after every meal, 
Even then, we would be guilty of breaking God's law a thousand times every year. And by now, I would have over 61,000 tickets, transgressions on my eternal report card. Wouldn't you hate to go to an earthly magistrate with that many parking tickets to account for? He would probably put you under the jail. The law has definitely succeeded in making us feel painfully aware that we will not be able to stand before God's judgment robed in any self-righteousness. So next Paul turns to the second way of being declared righteous in God's sight. There is a way to right standing with God that comes another way. Through faith, Paul says. And anybody and everybody can be put right with God in this second way. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, Paul says. And this makes us want to understand more fully what he means by the word faith and by the phrase calling on the name of the Lord. Where do we go to get this faith? Must we climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow till you find your dream or faith? Do we need to climb our way up to heaven, as Paul suggested, to find Christ there? Or do we need to descend to the very depth of the earth, to Hades itself, to find evidence of the crucified Christ there for us and bring him up again from the world of the dead? Where do we go to get this faith that saves us, Paul? And Paul says, oh, it's a whole lot closer than you think. It's already right there in your heart. It's as close as the words of your mouth. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30 when he says, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is this word of faith that we are proclaiming. You've already got what you need. That saving substance is already living in your heart. I know it's there because some of you talk about your doubts. And doubt is a form of faith. So you've already got some faith. What you need for right standing with God is right there in your heart already. Just use what you've already got and place your trust in Jesus to the extent that you're willing to openly profess faith in his name and what he has done for you. For if you believe so strong that you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's always a connection between our faith <clears throat> and our mouth-mouths. If you believe something strong enough, you're going to talk about it. Some of you folks really believe in Clemson football because that's all you talk about. Paul says to us the kind of faith that will save us is faith that is strong enough that we're willing to put our mouths on the line for it. And you will find that your faith grows stronger every time you take an opportunity to profess faith in Jesus Christ. I remember very well the times that I stood before a group of people and professed faith in Jesus Christ. I remember the time I stood up in front of my church with a confirmation class and with that group of young people professed faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That really meant something to me. 
Then I remember telling a gathering of college kids, when I was a college kid, about a faith renewal that I had just been through during the fall of 1968. And as I talked, my mouth confirmed, that is, made stronger, my faith in God. My faith even grows a bit every week when I am with you and I stand with you and we profess, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. It would be very difficult for me to have very much faith without your help every week confessing and confirming my faith. My mouth has gotten to me into an awful lot of trouble across the years, but it's also been useful to build up faith in God. So we learn that God does not grade on the curve, but he does judge us in one of two ways, either by the standard of the law, which is perfection, or by our trust and faith in God's grace as given to us in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't stand a chance if I'm judged by the law, but I am saved by God's grace when I put my trust in Jesus. Paul ends our lessons today by saying that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call upon him if they've never heard? And how will they hear about him if the message is never proclaimed, and how can the message be proclaimed without messengers going out and taking that message to people? That puts the shoes right on our pretty feet, for the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings of peace. As you go forth today from this place of worship, please remember that you have an opportunity to have pretty feet Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin. You may be seated and let us worship God now as we give.
stand well you are beautiful my sweet sweet song you are beautiful my sweet sweet song you are beautiful my sweet sweet song 
and I will sing again. in peace, knowing peace with God and right standing in his presence, for that is God's gift to you and the work of God through Jesus on his cross. Amen.
Have a great week.